and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. What a momentous day. What a glorious day. Everything seems brighter, cleaner, more delicious. Everything's just good. The Matildas defeated Sweden 4-0 in glorious Melbourne in an international friendly. It's unbelievable. It's unheard of. It's genuinely so surprising so many records and stats were either broken or bettered in the course of this game which naturally means there is so much to talk about and we cannot wait to chat through all of it so let's begin this podcast before we get into the nitty-gritty of the football we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people and pay our respects to their elders past and present for what can only be the biggest snuff fest this podcast may ever produce. It's me, Marissa Lodanik, Angela Christian Wilkes, Anna Harrington, and Sam Lewis. So, friends, we simply have to start with some you love to see. It's because there's so much we love to see in a 4 0 win over the world number two ranked Sweden. So, let's start. Harry, what did you love to see? I have a you love to see it, but can I start with a little bonus? You love to see it in stats form? I would love that. Go would for it. Would you guys love that? Absolutely. Please Numbers. give me the stats. Hit you with my best shot here. So um, first clean sheet against a top 10 nation since the nil all draw with the USA in the Olympics group stage. Wow. Yeah, just a little one there. Um, Tony Gustafsson's first win over his native Sweden in four attempts. Uh, Sweden, the highest ranked team Australia have beaten since prevailing over world number one USA back in 2017. Sam Kerr's first goal since April. First goal against a top 20 nation since October last year against Brazil, that homecoming series. And 4-0 margin, the Matildas' biggest ever against the top five team. Andy Howe, status special, that one. Woohoo! Those stats, you love to see them. That's all the maths I'll be doing for today, unless it pops up again. <laughs> I do actually have a you love to see it, though, and I'll keep it short and sweet. Caitlin Ford. Electric form, she's got mm. five goals in three internationals, two goals against Sweden, had a hand in three actually as well, um, including the opener for Sam Kerr. But it's all about that second strike, isn't it, where she just jinks inside, says see you later to the defender and just rips this amazing curving strike um, into the goal. Just fantastic. Caitlin Ford on fire. You love to see it. We absolutely do. Angela, what did you love to see? My love to see it uh, pertains to that particular goal from Caitlin Ford. I absolutely love to see Kara Cooney Cross's run um, in the build up to that, and the uh, sense of well, I, I, some may some may call it a, a butt gusting run. I think it falls <laughs> into that category. I thought it was sensational, um, and she was just the way I don't even know how to describe it, but the way that she used her body to hold on to the ball and then to like get through the Swedish midfield. And then the final pass was just, just delightful. And she had a fantastic game overall, which we will definitely um, dissect a little bit more, but you absolutely love to see uh, Kyra Cooney Cross's run and assist there. It was fantastic. Such a good assist. Sam, what did you love to see? 
Yeah, bouncing off that. Look at us, segues everywhere already. Bouncing off Angela's uh, admiration for one of the kids. I thought this game was amazing for a lot of the young players who started. Kara Cooney-Cross was probably the best of them, but I also really thought that Charlotte Grant and Courtney Nevin had probably their best games for the Matildas since being brought into the fold. The two of them were so solid throughout. They showed exactly the kind of progress that you would have hoped for having been thrown into the deep end after injuries, after unavailabilities and after all this sort of stuff. And they've showed exactly how far they've come, particularly over the last six to 12 months. So yeah, those two, Tegan Mike are in goal. I, they just, ugh, you know, like it, it just, it tickles me existentially to know that it's worked, you know, throwing the kids in the deep end has worked. We have the depth of the squad now and we can put out a performance like this with four players who were not even alive the last time we beat Sweden. You know, you love to see it. Didn't need that reminder over the passage of time, but we did love to see everything <laughs> else in that one. And I suppose from one end of the spectrum, the kids to the other end, the veterans, it would be remiss of me not to mention that this was Claire Polkinghorne's 150th game for the national team, which is something we all love to see. She joins Lisa Devanna and Cheryl Salisbury in hitting that milestone. If she plays on Tuesday, she will equal Cheryl Salisbury's record, the 151. And you would have to assume next year, God willing, she overtakes and sets that record outright. No Australian player has reached this 150 milestone besides those three women. So it's a phenomenal achievement. It's so good. And the best thing about Pox is just how much she hates the spotlight and how much she hates having these accolades and her own achievements mentioned. Harrow and I were on the press conference with her when she was talking about this milestone. She's like, yeah it's a bit weird I don't really like talking about it to be honest and it was so it was so endearing though to know that she just wants to play for this team who she absolutely loves and it was so amazing that we got to see not only her reach this milestone she wore the armband obviously but they got a win in this milestone for her so it was so awesome to see we absolutely loved it and I'm just checking the rundown we have a very special you love to see it from a special guest it's Matilda's head coach, Tony Gustafson. So, Tony Gustafson, what did you love to see? Well, we'll start with a little throw from our good friend Anne O'Dong. This is Tony's pre-match press conference here in Melbourne. Tony, we'll commence it with um, how has the preparations been this week in sunny Melbourne? Oh, beautiful Melbourne. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Actually, been here since since last week as well. So, Melbourne is fantastic. <laughs> Melbourne is fantastic. Tony Gustafson loves Not to wrong. see it. He loves oh Melbourne. God. He all he's done all week is pump up Melbourne training oh at Lakeside. Melbourne, beautiful, love it. Oh, spend more time here. I reckon Tony's wishing uh, home of the Matildas was here right now. You know what's really annoying about this win? It gives you three even more of an argument for why Melbourne rules because this is like an incredible match, an incredible performance, and historic Great crowd. The crowd, just everything about this game is going to be associated with Melbourne for the rest of the Matildas history, and I'm so mad about it. Sam, you got to remember we have a run with the Socceroos, (laughs) so, you know, we deserve a little win. That's true. People just want to keep taking football away from us, uh, especially the Socceroos. We did win in Vietnam, against Vietnam, whatever. Um, It's not not their fault, it's the MCG's fault. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Tony G, loving Melbourne. You love to see it. Welcome back anytime, guys. He loves to see it. We love to see it. 
Glorious Melbourne loves to see it. Glorious Melbourne, indeed. Anyway, that's probably enough Victorian for the first part of this podcast. There will be more later on. Let's actually dissect this win. So like we said, 4-0 over Sweden. Number two ranked team in the world. Harrow had the stat attack. First clean sheet in ages. Biggest win over a top five ranked uh, team. Caitlin Ford is on fire. It was her fifth goal in three games with her double that she scored. Mary Fowler off the bench. Very deflected, but we will take any and every goal. And Sam Kerr's first in several months in the green and gold. So plenty to like across the line. But let's start up top with Ford, with Kerr. He's stuck with this combination of those two up top. The formation has also, you know, been designed to really suit those two. So what do we make of yet another game of this Kerr and Ford duo up top? It's interesting. Kerr and Ford duo, um, like, playing close together, I feel like first really got tested out. Um, Do you remember the Chaos Ball game against the US in Colorado under Ante Milicic where they played Caitlin Ford almost like a 10 and they played off each other? They played really well. Um, And it's surprising that sort of since then it's it's not really been used until these last couple of games. Um, Caitlin Ford's in sensational form, obviously, uh, playing centrally at Arsenal. I mean, she's keeping Viviana Miedema on the bench as their preferred number nine, effectively. Which is true. I mean, she is. Um, she's been in sensational form centrally for club and she's just brought that in. And I, I feel like this system we talked about against Denmark has really maximised these players. It was Tony was quite interesting talking about the tweak he made about half an hour in in terms of the press. Um, it was sort of a 4-2-3-1 initially defensively um, with Kerr at the top of the press and then... Um, Razzo, Ford and, and Vine in behind and then the midfielders. And then he sort of, he realised that he had to tweak that and changed it, so sort of flattened it out a bit. So Razzo and Vine dropped in next to Cooney Cross and Gorry and Ford was up with Kerr because they obviously work so well together defensively as well as in attack. That was I th- that was crucial, their pressing game, really important. But Caelan Ford was just scintillating. Like the way she brought the ball down for the opening goal and shrugged a defender and you know, got the ball out to Razzo to to give it to Kurt. Fantastic. Really nice play. Um, we, we talked about the goal. <laughs> Such just a banger um, that she scored the first one. But I also really liked Caitlin Ford's um, second goal, which is the fourth goal for Matildas, which actually started from a Courtney Nevin throw in. Ford's the player who actually manages to beat a couple of players to receive it. Feeds it to Kurt and then she just keeps running. There goes Kerr, Van Egmond and Ford gets on the end of it to sort of tap home the last one. So her work rate is just through the roof. She just looked electric. Like we've talked about how good she is when players uh, um, get back on their heels and she's running at them. But the shift centrally really worked. Um, Tony Gustafson actually sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, it takes time to get to know your players and what really works. And he's found that maybe Ford, when she's out as a as a pure winger in a 4-3-3, isn't necessarily used the best way. She's further away from Kerr. She's further away from the action. You know, you've got to put that extra effort to get the ball in. She suits being that bit more central. And I reckon that front four just works so well with Razzo and Vine have really good work rates um, to allow Ford and Kerr to, to play off each other. I just think it takes so much load off Sam Kerr as well. So much pressure. She can't be so isolated. You can't just have, well, you can try to have two defenders just sit on Sam Kerr and try and stop things happening. But then there's someone not on Caitlin Ford or not on Hayley Razzo, you know, not not minding that space. So it, it's a real success. And it was interesting hearing Ford talk about it. Um, she basically said she's happy to play whatever rock classic, but she said she does get more shots away. She does get to link up with Sam Kerr more. She gets on the ball more and she, she really enjoys it. And the other thing that was interesting, just that the benefit of getting that break, um, Tony talked about it. Caitlin Ford talked about it when all those senior players were rested 
um, for the Spain and Portugal friendlies. That off-season has really refreshed them. Ford said it's allowed her to get, you know, miss football a bit, get her love back. And then she's enjoying herself. She's fighting for a spot at Arsenal. And you just see all these things coming together. She looked like she was enjoying herself. And just Sweden had absolutely no no answers for her. Um, yeah, just fantastic. And Sam, I know you wanted to touch on this a little bit, that the way that they've worked centrally, it for me, it seems the answer going forward because good luck trying to contain that, especially when the Matildas are out in transition and you've got Kerr, Ford, Razzo, Vine streaming forward, fed by a Cooney Cross or a Gori. It's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the important parts of this dynamic that Tony sort of touched on in the post-match presser was that because you get such little time together as a national team, what you really want to try and do is capitalise on chemistry that's already there. And of all of the Matildas players you can think of, Kerr and Ford have probably the best duo chemistry of any other duo in the team right now because they've been playing together since they were 15. You know, they know each other inside and out. They know each other's positions inside and out, more to the point, because they've each transitioned from winger to striker in their own sort of time and their own ways. So being able to see that come to fruition against a team like Sweden was like so validating. And you're right, Harrow, like taking the pressure off Sam Kerr is massive because we have seen games in which she has been the 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 sort of the only option we've seen what happens to the Matildas as a unit when they don't feel like they have anyone else to aim for and Ford being in the form that she's in now being as confident as she is now and knowing that she can do what she just did and take her game to that kind of level against that kind of opponent I think is really important I feel like this game was a real turning point not just for her, but for the whole team, because it really felt like they finally got to that. They, they they got around that corner, that stubborn corner that they've been trying to figure out game after game after game. We sort of felt it in the South Africa, Denmark series, but I think this one coming against a, a top five opponent has really shown that this is actually what we need to be doing going forward. And the, like in my analysis piece, which will be coming out today, today being Sunday, um, I spoke about how this has been a very slow process of tinkering for Gustafsson. And he's talked about this. He's talked about the like, trying to not to be a massive cliche, but trust the process. Like he's been trying to figure this stuff out internally and he's known as this great tactician. And we haven't really seen the fruits of that happen until really the most recent windows. And this game, I think was the perfect illustration of just what a couple of tiny little changes here and there can do to the whole unit, to the whole system. And it wasn't just Ford, but it was also Kara Cooney-Cross. It was Courtney Nevin. It was moving Steph Catley into centre-back. It was lots of little different kinds of movements that coalesced into this one particularly very impressive second half of football. I think Hayley Razzo deserves a lot of credit for the way she went about. She should have scored in the 70th minute. We all know she should have put away that back post. But but she just went and went and went. She had the assist for the opening goal, which she took on her left. Um, there was another chance she had where if she'd shot on her left, I think she would have scored. But she, um, I think in recent years, her Matilda's form hasn't necessarily been at the same level as her club form. Um, and that's difficult because you're playing with such influential strikers and those sorts of things. She's had injuries. We know all about that. Uh, but I thought she was super influential. And it really does make a difference. You can afford to have Kurt and Ford, you know, playing so centrally when you've got the work rate of like Arazzo and Courtney Vine, who I think um, I was talking, I was right next to Marissa in the press box yesterday. And I'll talk about with Charlie Grant as well. I think there are a few players who were a bit off the boil in the first half. One was Charlie Grant, 
who was coming off a rolled ankle um, in training on Friday and just it felt for maybe 30 minutes, couldn't do anything right and then really settled. Um, but And Courtney Vine was another who maybe felt – she jinked the ball around early and had a couple of nice little moments, but then was maybe just half a second off the pace. But I thought she worked her way through it really well. And the good thing with players like Courtney Vine is she just goes and goes and goes. Like she doesn't sort of – lose confidence and fade away into into obscurity she just kept running and running and it said everything that she and um also Kara Cooney Cross had to come up when they were cramping right in the sort of 70th minute they they just didn't stop and that's what I really like about it it, it takes a little bit of pressure and Vine in particular did this so well just um as Andrew would say but gusting runs to get back and help Charlie Grant out I thought that was really impressive and when you've got you know, wingers that will work that hard going both ways, it really does make a big difference just in terms of getting numbers back. And yeah, I, I think this this front four should really be here to stay. And I know it's going to be a bit of horses for courses. There's going to be games where you might want Mary Fowler to start and have the impact um, straight away. But that's it really depends on the style of opponent. I think playing this sort of transitional game against Sweden, this is the perfect sort of front four to have. Um yeah, it was it was fantastic, and yeah, obviously talked about Ford. And I thought Sam Kerr did actually have a, a good game. She was you know quiet in terms of goal scoring, but she had some really nice link up moments. Obviously, we know that all the off the ball work she does, and just created so much space for for the others. And then obviously Fowler, when she came on, did exactly what you wanted to do, right? Like a couple of moments of class. I know the goal was heavily deflected, but you still got to take the shot, right? And it's taking that sort of ambitious chip that actually makes that deflection happen. Um, rather than just having a shot blocked. So it's, yeah, couldn't be too much happy with the attack. And they were clinical. That was what Tony pointed out. So clinical. I think you look in previous um, previous windows, maybe before, yeah, well, even South Africa, they should have put a few more goals past. But in previous windows, that's not been there. And Ford sort of touched on it, um, playing more centrally. It's like Sam Kerr a few years ago, right? Like you get more shots, get more opportunities, you get more straightforward shots. So you've got more players who are taking good shots from good places. Um, and the the pleasing thing was, I know a lot of the goals were in in transition, but that fourth goal in particular, I really liked because it was a build up straight away from the throw in. It's, it's not just a counter attack; like it's you had to create it all. So yeah, and yeah, just fantastic to be honest. And very quickly off the back of that as well, the thing that was really fascinating is that when you look at the match stats, this game was actually super even in terms of possession, in terms of territory, in terms of all that sort of stuff. In fact, Sweden had more sort of stats packed in the attacking areas. They had 18 shots to our 12, but we, as you mentioned, Harry, we were actually more clinical. We were able to take better shots from better locations and actually score them. So that was what was really fascinating. It almost felt like the sort of the polar opposite of Matilda's performances over the past two years, right? Where we have been the dominant side. We have dominated in terms of lots of different areas of the field, but we just haven't been able to put them away and, and actually get the goals that that kind of performance deserves. So it's really nice to see that sort of happen finally, you know, all this foundation stuff that we've been building can actually, you know, score us goals. I just wanted to say when you were talking about how Tony has been tinkering, Sam, my brain went tinky Gustafsson. I don't, that's all. <laughs> so obviously we're all in agreement the way that our forward line is working. Very good at the moment, but it has been, it is, oh my God, it's been supported by the midfield that Tony had in the October window and he stuck with it, which is really great. That's what we all wanted to see when we dissected the October series a little while ago. It was Cooney Cross and it was Gory and 
it's working. It really, really seems to be working. Sam, you had a few thoughts on the midfield and how it is all coming together. So the floor is yours. Yeah, so we sort of addressed this after the South Africa-Denmark games, right, where really what the thing that seems to not quite be working for the Matildas over the past six months has been midfield. We didn't feel like, well, I didn't feel like the balance was right. And I think that over the over the, the last couple of games, Tony has been trying to figure out what that balance should be and what it actually looks like. He's, he's tested Mary Fowler there. He's tested Emily Van Egmond there. We know that Katrina Gorey is a lock. We know what she's capable of doing. And this game against Sweden was another outstanding innings from her. But it was her midfield partner that was the big question mark. And I think what this Sweden game has proved is that that partner is Kyra Cooney-Cross. And even though she might not be as creative, she might not be as technically gifted as a Fowler or a Van Egmond, she has exactly the qualities that not only complements Gori, but that gives the Matildas exactly the style of midfield football that Gustafsson seems to have been wanting. And that's brave, forward, forward bursting, butt gusting, um, physical, uh, constant attack focused midfield. And I think over the car, over the last sort of year, her move to Sweden has been so important in being able to teach her those skills and to give her that confidence to be able to really understand what that box-to-box midfield role requires. And she's been able to translate that into the Matildas over the last two windows, and that is so exciting to see because I thought particularly in that second half, she was incredible. I thought it was probably her best outing for the Matildas in a very, very long time, if ever. And she was so crucial in so many moments, not only in the build-up to the second goal, but her ability to cut off certain passing lanes, her ability to do some pretty important professional fouls, you know, her reading of the game, her ability on the ball, all that sort of stuff is so important for this midfield. And it gave them, I think, that energy. Like Tony talked, he sort of mentioned that, um, Katrina Gorey is kind of the the, the heart and the yeah. and the um, the engine of midfield, but really I think it's the two of them in tandem because you need cogs to work together. You can't be overly overly reliant on a single player because it'll burn them out. And I think the two of them working together are that engine. They run for days. They're physical, even though they might not be the tallest. They don't have to be because they read the ball so beautifully. So. Yeah, I, I am, I'm so excited by this game because of that specific discovery that we've made. I'm really glad that Van Egmond and Fowler came onto the field and did what they did because it showed that they are now impact players. And it's starting to feel like the, the hierarchy has shifted a little bit in terms of starters and game changes. It feels like Fowler and Van Egmond, I think, Harry, you may have mentioned this in a previous episode, they're, they're more luxury players now. They're players you bring on in the 60th, 70th minute who can provide something a little bit different. And as we saw against Sweden, they did that. So I think this was um, this was a point proven in a lot of different ways, this game. I think it uh, says a lot about those players as well and the the vibe in the group that players recognize that and they know that sometimes their role is going to be to play that role off the bench. And they did that to perfection. That Emily Van Egmont assist for Ford was fantastic. Fowler obviously scored. Um, I think it's going to be horses for courses a little bit with midfield still. I think Gorey and Cooney Cross is going to be the preferred midfield. There may be games where maybe the, the Cooney Cross style of play isn't the preferred way, but 
you can only test and see with different styles. But in a game like that Sweden one where it's all about transition and pace and moving the ball quickly and getting into space, is Cooney crossed fantastic. Like the way she could take on two, three players, there's a couple of times where she had no right to win the ball. There was one where she won a free kick, which was, I think, just poor defending from Sweden. You're a four on one. You should be giving away a foul. But she draws fouls. She's smart. She um, just goes and goes and goes. And the thing that I've loved hearing about her is Tony's mentioned this twice in two press conferences. Working with Elise Kellen Knight at Hammerby has been huge for her. Um, it's been really massive in terms of her development. It sounds like um, Kellen Knight, while playing alongside Cooney Cross, has almost been like a playing coach for her. Knows when to do the arm around the sh- shoulder, knows when to give a bit of a clip, tells her in terms of her positioning, her running, and what to do, where to go. That I imagine just in terms of professionalism and managing your body, she'd be an incredible resource because she's, you know, been there, done that. And I imagine the respect level will be so high. Cooney, Cooney Cross would know KK's got more than 100 caps. She's held in such high regard in Sweden as well as in Australia. She's played a lot of football in Sweden. And that's fantastic. And I think the other thing is it's just natural young players like Cooney Cross and Fowler, who I think people can be like maybe rushed to think have opinions every time because she is so young. She's going to have um, like ebbs and flows in this early part of her career. And Cooney Cross is the same. I think with Fowler, because there was that rapid trajectory, people think it's going to always be up and up and up, but progression is not linear. So there's going to be moments where she'll, and she'll be experiencing this at at Man City as well. As talented as she is, she'll have to bide her time to get some of those opportunities. And there's going to be games where it will suit more for her to start. And there's going to be games like this one, where, as you say, Sam, it was the perfect opportunity for her to come off the bench and have an impact. And she did that so quickly. Fresh legs when Vine started cramping. And we know how talented Mary Fowler is. There's going to be, as I say, there's going to be games where she starts and, we saw the Canada game, she scored early or she can have an impact or the speed of the game suits more. And I'm going to be really interested to see um, the midfield against Thailand as well because Thailand will let us have a lot of the ball and try and catch us on the counter. So it's not going to necessarily be quite so, you know, transition field. I imagine there'll be some different personnel. But, yeah, I, I just think this midfield complements, they complement each other so well. Cooney Cross and Gorry, they have, you know, a few little similarities, but in the same way they're so different. Like when Cooney Cross creates chances, as a general rule, it's bursting forward and, and creating something with her run and speed and the way she can dribble. Whereas Gorry, that we saw with that incredible crossfield ball, she can hoof those from sort of really deep, 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 deep in midfield and and have an impact. And I think even Marissa was, I'm going to give Marissa credit for this, even the opening goal, Tony talked about it where Gorry hits the ball and probably recognises she can't get to Sam Kerr and that, but it does drop for get the defender heads and it drops for Caitlin Ford to have an impact. So she sort of plays percentages well as well. So they just seem to work. I like it. It's it's really exciting. And for me, it's, it's fantastic that um, I imagine for a player like an Emily Van Egmond, who's been a stalwart for a very long time, I, I was the only one at her presser the other day. So I asked her about having to fight for a spot. Um, and she was, you know, prepared to do it. She says, you know, it's good to have competition for spots. You do have to put your pride aside to an extent, and that can be difficult for players to do. It's difficult for anyone to do to, you know, have the, I think, to have the character and the, the humility to go, yeah, this time I'm off the bench. And she came on, gets an assist. Fowler comes on, gets a goal. It's it's great. And the other one that wasn't there, Alex Chidiak, who copped a knock in training on Friday. Um, they didn't want to risk her. They hope she'll be right for for the Thailand game. She's another one who can come off the bench or can even start at some point and add that sort of energizer bunny feel. So yeah, it's exciting. That's what you want. Considering as you say, Sam, the midfield just felt like a problem in the Canada series. 
I was just going to say shout out to friends of the pod who did the like little score prediction video with me enabling silly content. But um, Goss in particular said that Mary Fatala was going to score off the bench, which he got right. And Eden predicted a 5-0 win, so she came closest. Tom went for the 7-0 win, probably overshot a little bit there. But I don't think, I, I think it was very much, it was a lot of, I was kind of going in expecting a, not a win. So <laughs> anyway, um, I was also going to say, I think it's, I wonder if this comes into the equation as well, like looking at the stats that Sam referred to in the terms of possession and also that first 20 minutes where the Tillies were getting hammered by Sweden, um, the kind of midfielders that you start in these kinds of games as well, the kind of defensive energy that they can bring. I was really pleased with how Kyra Cooney-Cross showed up for that and Gori is always going to be the kind of midfielder who will get stuck in. So that might come into the 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 balance when you have someone like an Emily Van Egmont who did make such an impact when she did come on. But, um, yeah, that's just where my thinking is at. And I'm, I'm, that was also a takeaway for me, the fact that the Matildas as a whole were able to ride out that pressure and then um, the game management as well and the, the way that, yeah, the adjustments to then get the win. It's all, it's all good. It's all looking very positive and it makes sense as well, which is nice. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We can see what the plan is and what's happening now, um, which as Sam was talking about, we just needed to trust the process a little bit. There mm. were things that needed to be done to get to this stage. And now we're going to win the world cup. So like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I need to stop saying that. I think someone's going to take it seriously. Don't don't manifest it, Angela, because it's it's yeah, it's going to backfire so badly. It it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous. But as we've seen with your little vox pops, maybe it works. Who knows? We'll never know. Um, but there's one, I suppose, final part of the field and one final selection that we need to have a little chat about, and it was our. Backline, obviously, there was no real surprises in terms of Grant and Nevin as the fullbacks. Polk's in centre-back. She lives there. Why would she move now? The interesting selection was obviously Steph Catley at centre-back. So first and foremost, I wanted, I needed to mention that Tony literally started his answer like to a question about Steph your Catley. question your question Marissa it was your question it was my question <laughs> um, he literally said I don't like putting Steph at center back to be honest like I want to be very clear about that I don't like it and I was like yes you're one of us now Tony welcome Tony one welcome of one of us <laughs> um but he then obviously went on to explain that there was certain qualities that Catley has and he again likened her to a quarterback similar to the way he describes Gori where she has that ability to play out from the back in a way that suits the Matildas suits that transition style and all of those things and he was talking as well about um, the way Sweden set up it's very lopsided so it really benefited Catley being the left-sided center back but I have just learned pre-record that we are actually divided in this here podcast as to whether we like the Catley in centre-back move. So there, there are opposing opinions. So everyone will get their chance what a shock. To, to talk about this. But can I, can I have a really straightforward view of it? Not everyone yes. likes eating their vegetables, but sometimes they're what's good for you. <laughs> yes. This is what Steph Catley at centre-back is. We all love, and that's including Tony, clearly he's got a sweet tooth in this regard too, a nice <laughs> treat. 
Steph Catley bombing up the left wing, putting in lovely crosses, doing her thing, being fantastic. We all know how good she is at this, and we have this debate every six months. I think I was saying to to someone, um, uh, I think I started chatting with Robbie Thompson about this, uh, just saying, like, gee, she was good, but oh, you always wanted to play left back, but then she plays well at centre back. She was fantastic, I thought. She just yep. marshaled that defence with a plum. She's so cool-headed. She's so calm. As soon as the selection, sorry, the team sheet dropped, um, I went, well, Stina Blackstenius is playing as a centre forward. Catley has been training up against it every day um, at Arsenal and she's been playing in the centre of defence for Arsenal as well. So it actually makes a lot of sense straight away. Um, Ivy Lewick apparently had been sick for three days beforehand, so Tony just couldn't pick her. And he'd also alluded in his pre-match press that he wanted more height um, and more speed in his team to counter what Sweden provides. So all of those things, I think, even before we knew what the team would be, pointed to Seth Catley at centre-back. So we all had time to sort of, you know, process it, whether it was going to happen or not. She was fantastic. Um, yeah, led with a plum. Claire Polkinghorn was Claire Polkinghorn, just did reliable things, including a, a, a goal line clearance in the 19th minute. Um, but yeah, as Sam said in her, you love to see it. It was really good to see the progress of the fullbacks. Um, Courtney Nevin got um, sent to the cleaners very early on by one of the Sweden wingers who hit the post. Um, but from then on, rock solid. Um Charlie Grant, uh, Marissa and I were talking about it in the press box at the time. I think I said earlier, it felt like she couldn't do anything right that first half hour. I think that ankle knock must have been giving her a bit of grief. And I reckon she tweaked it at one point because it felt like she was out of position. It felt like she wasn't getting as high as she needed to. And to be fair, there was a period of sustained pressure from Sweden. And we talked about it with the adjustments Tony made from probably the 12-minute mark to about the 35-minute mark, 30-minute mark. There's a good 15, 20 minutes where Sweden were just all over us and they were just hammering the defence and even players like Gori and Cooney Cross in midfield were just hacking the ball out of defence and then just giving it straight back. And this is even Katrina Gori, who's you know typically a very composed player, right? There's just a bit there where they just couldn't get their foot on the ball. And that makes it hard because everyone's pushed back. Anyway, it felt like for a little while those two wing uh, defenders couldn't really get anything going and I felt like at halftime and I want to say they got given a rocket but I feel like they maybe got given a bit of encouragement to go forward take on your players back yourselves in and both Nevin and uh, Grant I thought were really 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 solid especially in the second half like they were getting forward there was a really good challenge Nevin made inside the penalty area that just and she did she forced it out for a goal kick it wasn't even a um it wasn't even a corner and that was really really pleasing um Talked about how quiet they managed to keep Stina Blackstenius. Um, I know you touched it in your column as well, Sam. Sophia Jakobsen kept relatively quiet as well, which is a credit to both of those fullbacks, um, the way that they've played. And, yeah, it, it is exciting. Um, and I actually really loved the way they responded because it would be easy for us to sit here and say, oh, geez, the kids played well from go to woe. But they didn't. They had moments where they got, you know, exploited here and there because they're young defenders and they're coming up against quality players. And at times the whole team had the backs backs to the wall approach. And they got over, the good thing was the whole team sort of got over that. The midfielders started getting their foot on the ball, um, having players like Catley and that. Um, I know Tick and Micah made a couple of just commanding, not saves, but just claim possession quite commandingly a couple of times. And they just started to to cool things down. I know Tony said it was a credit to his, his players, the way they could tactically adjust sort of on the fly without having come in for halftime or a drinks break. And I felt like the, those two, Grant and Never, just got better and better as the game went on. They were, Grant in particular, I think when she's in her shell a bit, she doesn't go for those runs where Ellie Carpenter, it doesn't seem to matter what's going on. She's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to zoom. 
And I feel like Grant is getting better at, you know, backing herself um, in more. And I, I really like that. I, I like it when players show resilience in the middle of games. They don't, um, I said this about Courtney Vine as well. You have a couple of off moments, but you don't let it define your game. You, you go on and you have really significant impacts. And that's that's what we needed because if Steph Catley is going to be playing centre-back, and I think there's going to be, as you say, Sam, there's a fair argument that Steph Catley is our best centre-back um, in certain games. She certainly will be. You're going to have to feel like you've got some trust in in Courtney Nevin in particular to do a role at left back. Like it's it's just going to have to happen. And yeah, Tegan Marcus sort of flows into this as well. Um, so I think she's so commanding at the back. I think she has a really good presence. You always back her to claim the ball. Can probably just clean up a few turnovers, but they're things you can clean up. Like it's the same work in progress, right? But a lot to like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it it all folds it back into the sort of tactical um, tinkerings that Tony's been doing and and what he referenced is is what he did in sort of the 30th minute, I think it was, when they, they were getting absolutely overloaded. Things weren't working. There were so many spaces that were opening up. But at that 30-minute mark, he made a bunch of decisions which seemed to shore up every single line of the Matildas, moved Caitlin Ford a little bit more central, gave Kara Cooney-Cross a little bit more license and more more um, opportunity to go forward and switched Kate, uh, Steph Catley with um, Courtney Nevin. And I think doing that, like, yeah, I actually do think not even just in against particular opponents, but I do actually think Steph Catley is our best centre-back. Um, she is, she, she just reads the game so well. She's so calm on the ball. She makes the right decision every single time. The only reason, according to Tony, that she was picked for this particular role against Sweden is because Alana Kennedy is still injured and Ivy Lewick is sick. But I, you'd have to think now that even being thrown into that moment as a result of those players being absent, she has put her hand up to be a, a starting centre-back for the Matildas. And I think what's okay about that is that we don't necessarily miss her as much as we might have going forward because of these other shifts that have been made further up the field. We have a subtly different formation. We've got the ability of Courtney Nevin to go a little bit higher. We've got a Caitlin Ford who can cut in. We we show that we are still creative and we can still score goals without her. And I think that's what was a big question mark about the whole can Steph Catley play at centre-back thing because the compromise was always, well, we're going to suffer because she's one of our most creative players down the left wing, right, because she bombs forward and she has that beautiful crossing ability. But her other ability is that she's really great on set pieces and her being a centre-back or a left-back doesn't necessarily affect her ability to do that. She can still take incredible corners and free kicks, and we saw that against Sweden as well. So I think this was a really important sort of moment to be able to sort of untangle that question and and differentiate what her abilities are in certain positions and who can step in and not compromise the overall sort of system of the Matildas. And I think this was a really good demonstration of that. She's just world-class, isn't she, Sam? She's like, the best. Yeah, so she's underrated. Like, I know she's highly rated, but I think when people go, oh, this player's so good and this player's... Like, as far as consistency and class goes and leadership, she is just top notch also wanted to mention you don't get clean sheets without desperation and some of the desperate defending I know Peter Gerhardson was saying that his team probably wasn't tough enough the Matildas came with a bit more intensity than you'd expect in a friendly and they didn't match that I felt some of the blocks and some of the tackles and they weren't reckless they were just desperate yeah like they did not want to get it let a shot on goal happen and I know that'll be a, a level of um the leadership from the back that's just players getting back Cooney Cross, Gorry, they were making those runs to get back. Caitlin Ford, who obviously has played fullback in the past, some of her jockeying defence where she bolted back to get back, 
really impressive. And there was times after set pieces where obviously Sam Kerr gets gets in the wall or gets in that line of defenders because of her vertical leap. And there's just, yeah, there, there was so much hard work, like so much hard running, um, well-timed tackles. I mentioned that Courtney Nevin won before. There's one moment where Charlotte Grant put in a really good tackle, then won the ball and then took on someone and, <laughs> and kept going. Those are the things you want to see. And, yeah, it, it's just really positive. Um, and, yeah, I think we said, um, I think Tegan Micah should stay in goal. I think it's Agreed. more rough rough edges that can be fixed, like uh, especially when the whole team was panicking from it. She had a couple of clearances sort of to, to no one, and there were a couple of cheap turnovers that she had in possession. But those are things that you get better, better at, sorry, with time and experience. They're not full-blown clangers. Like it's just the rough edges and that gets better with time. But I, I think she just looks so commanding when she grabs the ball. Oh, I was saying to someone, she actually looks like a, an AFLW. By the way, she runs with the ball. Like you can tell she's played. No, no, Sam, you can tell she's played other sports. Like not every goalkeeper is so confident just straight away getting the ball on the move, how can I distribute it? How can I go? How can I set things up? She reminds me a lot um, of Brie Davey. If we want to be doing AFLW comparisons, she reminds me a lot of Brie Davey. Well, yeah, yeah. But I think a more reliable shot stopper. Um, just She just looks really, really solid. And I think the more and more time that she spends playing with this defence, the more sure-footed she'll look. And that that's a really exciting place to be because as much as we love Lydia Williams, if you've got Lydia Williams as your second-choice goalkeeper, you're in a really good place. So, yeah, uh, I would like to see that that stay. We promised opposing opinions, and you both agree that Catley is a good centre-back. So, Angela, you, you said pre-pod you didn't like Catley at centre-back. So that's that's my argument, right? I didn't say she's, I like, I think we're all in, we all agree. I just don't like her at centre-back. I also don't like vegetables. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um. Like I, I I agree with everything, but I just yeah, it 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 is that but also like I'm I measure these things based on anxiety and how much anxiety induces. And if Cat leaves at center back, I feel calm. And I think that's, you know, probably a vibes-based assessment on terms of a testament to how good of a center back she is, in my opinion of her as a center back, the fact that she doesn't give me the heebie jeebies. But um yeah, I'd like it would in an ideal world it would be great to have her on the left back but we don't live in an ideal world so it's fine I'm happy and she's a fantastic player and yeah I just if that's what we have to roll with I'm happy with that I wasn't trying yeah. to throw you under the bus I'm just like, no 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 you, no, said no, you no. didn't <laughs> like it I also it's, don't like the it. other good thing actually about this is that like sorry to interject but the like when we think back to the women's world cup 2019 Right. Are we, are we starting this conversation? But, no, but like, but this is the thing, right? Because we had a single player go down defensively, and it was a domino effect that that almost killed the whole team, right? But being mm. seeing the ability of Steph Catley to play as both a left back and a centre back equally as well, if not better than what we expected, shows that we are not in the same kind of precarious position team-wise in terms of that. If a Claire Polkinghorne goes down at the Women's World Cup next year, which, you know, she's getting a little bit older now, she's not quite as fit, The you know, time between games, whatever, tournament football is a lot, we know where to plug and we know who can fit where and not be able to compromise the rest of the team. That's, I think, what's important about this conversation. And we've got to see it with a lot Context. Context, history. Oh, I hope it's not Claire Polking on. She's had a rough run, hamstring yeah. injuries in um, 
2015 and 2019. No more stupid like working out what you're doing with the offside flag, FIFA. Like that's what that's what um caused her hamstring injury in that Italy game. We don't need that. Just yeah, but I agree with you, Sam. It is fantastic. Before we go, can I give a quick shout out? I don't want to just give a shout out to the crowd. I thought the Melbourne crowd was fantastic. Great noise, great vibe. It felt really friendly. It seemed like everyone's enjoying it. You get that classic high pitched noise whenever Matildas get on the break. Stand by my views that we need some simple chants that a whole crowd can follow. Otherwise, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi does dominate. And, you know, like, come up with a simple Sam Kerr chant and you'll have won the everyone over. Saying to Paolo this morning, that has to be as simple as, a you know, the, the Bessart Barisha Seven Nation Army one. Just sing their name. It's easy. Get people following along. Anyway. Yeah, great. Um, keep it simple, but yeah, great crowd, great vibe, fantastic. But I think the Matildas do deserve a bit of a shout out because post-match, they were out there for about an hour afterwards. Autographs, photos. Sam Kerr was running around giving high fives to everyone. I mean, they don't have to do this stuff. They don't have to stay out there that long. They're at a level of, you know, prominence now and pay and status that they don't have to spend that long out there. Um, but they do deserve a lot of credit, I think, for the way they do it. And that's why they're endearing themselves so much to um, to the, the Australian sporting public. Everyone I know, know that went yesterday had an absolute ball, um, not just because of the result, but the way they played, the vibe, just everything was great. So it, I think, and even speaking to Tony, you saw the, the you'd love to see it, but he said post-match um, just after his presser that it made him really, really excited for when they play their last group game against Canada here next year, because you got a feel for it. The players perform to a crowd, which is, you know, it can easily be overwhelming. Um, they, they did it. They did it really well. And it's something they can build on going into next year, playing with that, with that crowd. So yeah, just a little, how good for me. And not to harp on about how great Melbourne is, but like, I just I fell in on. love with, yeah, but Amy Park, I just fell in love with Amy Park all over again, but having that game there, it was so nice. It's such a beautiful stadium. I just love it so much. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I felt like... It's uh, going to be so good. I felt like I was the, doing a tour, of my, a tour of my home, like with media coming down from Sydney and that. I was like, and here's where the press conference room is and here's how we get to the press box and here's where we go and we could go in this entrance and we can take the stairs. I'm here all the time, guys. Like, it's probably unhealthy. But, like, I'm excited for us to be able to show all the different parts of – and it'll be the same, Sam, for you in Sydney, being able to show all this stuff off to to the world next year. Yeah. So, yeah, the big crowd. There's a good little Swedish contingent there as well. So, yeah, you, you love to see it. How good. It's all good. The vibes are good. I love I love, I love talking about Melbourne. I'm always supportive of talking of Melbourne. I want to really quickly wrap things up as we did like with the uh, analysis of the October window, just the zooming out. We have alluded to it in terms of like this seems like um, the culmination of the trusting the process where we actually see the process starting to work. Um, and I really wanted to mention uh, a quote that Tony gave in the post game, which I thought was very telling and he said am I happy with this performance yes but I'm not over the moon I'm very humble about where we are and this was one game and I think something that Tony has been criticized for in the past but with the benefit of hindsight and maybe with a little bit of glow after three wins on the trot Tony has this very good habit in my opinion of kind of taking everything into consideration and really just offering a 
balanced take on things. So even though this was a phenomenal win and it was a great day out and everything was good, he's like, we weren't good for half an hour in that first half. Like we were actually really bad. Um, So I was happy with the second half, but we needed to do that over the full 90. And even when things have been bad, he's offered that kind of explanation as to why things were bad. Um, And as I was scrolling Instagram last night, I found a Swedish word and it's lagom. And basically it means just the right amount. And so it's a Swedish principle about, you know, moderation, balance, everything being just the right amount. And I feel like Tony really offers that, particularly in his communications with the media and with fans about how things are never as bad as they seem, but they're also never as good as they seem. Like there's that real level-headedness to the way he goes about things and the way he, uh, I suppose, talks about and analyzes the game. And I thought it was really important that he did that here because it was very easy to run away with the storyline, with the narrative, and obviously we have to celebrate it. We have to enjoy it because it's nice to win 4-0 against teams as good as Sweden. And it's nice to play in front of 22,000 people and get excited and get hyped. But to also just acknowledge that it wasn't a perfect performance, I think is really important. So once again, I'm just really happy that things seem to be moving along. And all of those questions that were asked of Tony about, so how are these Matildas actually meant to be playing? What is the actual style we're seeing more and more of it and it's coming to the fore and things are coming together. So I just wanted to tell everyone that I know a Swedish word basically, but also that things seem to be progressing and that's mm. nice. I enjoy yeah. that as a fan. Totally, yeah. And it's, um, I think it is a credit to Tony. He could have easily, and you see some coaches do this, taken a bit of a victory lap after that yesterday, but the fact that he was so tempered I think is really impressive. If you say Marissa Illy really sticks true to yeah what he's been doing the whole time um I like that nothing's as bad as it looks and nothing is always as as good as it looks so yeah it's it's fantastic so yeah exciting times bring on Thailand excellent bring on Thailand indeed obviously we will be talking about that game following the conclusion of it We'll also have a dub preview out very soon because not to alarm anyone but the first week of the dub will literally be occurring next weekend it's happening it's it's all happening unfortunately we won't be with sam for the first couple of weeks of the dub because she's off to qatar watching men play football i know yuck them i guess (laughs) um but in all seriousness go ruse we love to say it we're we're huge we're enormous um but obviously (laughs) there's plenty that is coming we cannot wait it's going to be a lot of content from us but we hope you enjoy it all as always you can find all of it on espn.com.au and the espn app we are on spotify apple google every single pod spot that is imaginable amazon as well i learned that recently um if you want to have a chat to us we are at the far post pod on all social media but until next time go tillies and see us <laughs>